0: Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around if you are curious about learning more about Peace, the United Methodist community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Dot .com We hope that you enjoy this episode please like rate review subscribe and now on to the sacred story reading Our second story reading today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter one, verses one through four. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. In other words, for this is chaotic, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. And God saw the light was good. Then God separated the light from the darkness this is Genesis 1, 1 through 4. We are in the midst of starting a new series that we're calling out of the box and outside the lines. Out of the box and outside the lines. We know that there are times where humanity has decided to do things a certain way. And sometimes that way is a way that God wants it to be. Sometimes that way can be in a way that benefits certain groups of people over others. And we see there to being a divide between the haves and the have-nots, those with plenty and those in need. And oftentimes when that happens, there is a need to think out of the box, to paint and color outside the lines. And we see God doing this time and time again throughout scripture. We think things are working one way, and God says, I have something new in store for you. And so we are going to ask the question during this series, what are ways in which God has helped humanity think outside the box or color outside the lines, and how can we do that in our time today? The other night, I was walking the dog, and I like to walk the dogs sometimes after 10 o'clock at night when the streets are really quiet, there's not as much traffic, it's just a lot calmer, and it's just a pleasant time for me to go for a walk with the dogs. And as I said, I, I, I was going the other night in a A fairly regular spot that I've been before, the dogs are familiar with, and I had forgotten that there was a house at the end of the street that sometimes puts this beautiful uh, husky on a leash to let it out for the night to go use the restroom. And as we were approaching, my dogs didn't see that dog coming. And that dog was just sitting peacefully, but suddenly my dogs noticed, and they tried to bolt after that dog they all of their instincts that are there from i don't know the formation of creation itself i don't know how far back those instincts go in dogs but it seemed like all of them were activated at once and those dogs just leapt and we're talking about a 70 pound black lab and a hundred pound saint doodle, and so they leapt to the ends of their leash as fast as possible almost yanking my arm out of its socket and i Paused for a moment after that happened, after I calmed them down and was like, oh my goodness, this is not working. Like, whatever we've done to train these dogs, whatever we've done to try to get them to approach situations with other dogs differently, whatever we've done to try to bring order to this chaos that seems to be our dog's interaction with other dogs, it's not working. And we may need to try something new. That we've done the training but we may need to try something new. Here's the challenge. Anytime there's something new happening, anytime we have a new beginning, it doesn't come from nothing. It comes from something. Every beginning comes from something. Something chaotic that needs order. The first part of our journey in this series is recognizing that things are often born out of chaos and need to move into order. Every area of our life, no matter whether it's our health, whether it's our eating, whether it's relationships, whether it's a job, uh, whether it's a habit that we have, there is something chaotic about what we are experiencing, and it needs to move into order. And we actually see this in the story of creation that we just read in those first five books. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. It was chaotic, and the darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of those chaotic deep waters. There was something in existence that the Spirit was hovering over. There was something happening, and then God brought forth Order, brought forth light, and separated it from the darkness, and then would bring forth all the other elements of creation. Interesting little tidbit to get grammatical for a minute. In the ancient Hebrew, there is no definite article, the. It says, in beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, some scholars would say that the definite article, the, is implied. It's just obvious that you wouldn't say In beginning, that doesn't make, you know, grammatical sense. You would have to say the. And so we normally translate it in the beginning. And it makes sense because we're talking about the beginning of the heavens and the earth. We're talking about the foundation of all things. We're talking about the beginning of the Bible. This is chapter 1, verse 1. And so it makes sense that we would say in the beginning as if this is the beginning. But Let's just pause for a second. It says in beginning. If we fast forward all the way to the book of John and we read the first verse of the book of John, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, this is talking about Jesus, the Christ. It's talking about the presence of of all reality and truth. So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, same thing. Except for, like in the Hebrew, the Greek doesn't have the definite article. the. It says, in beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Both instances, Genesis chapter 1, John chapter 1, we don't have the definite article, the, we just have in beginning. So, we could very easily say, well, the the is implied. We're talking about the beginning of all things. We're talking about the start. We're talking about the foundation. So, the the is implied. Or, Or, we could speculate, we could wonder, we could get curious We could get a little mystical and maybe say that maybe these authors, maybe these writers, are not simply writing about the beginning, but maybe they're writing about when things begin. In beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. In essence saying, all beginnings take place because something chaotic Is happening. You don't change your workout rhythm because your life is working perfectly and happily and you're healthy and you're moving in the right direction. You change your workout rhythm because something is not working correctly. You change your workout rhythm because there's some chaos in your life. Now It doesn't have to be major chaos. It could be minor chaos. It could just be, you know, I'd I'd like to be a little healthier. I'd like to be a little bit more active. I'd like to be able to move a little bit more. I'd like to be able to walk a little further. I'd like to be able to run a little faster. I'd like to be a little stronger. Whatever reason it is for changing your workout rhythm, for changing your habits or your practices, you're doing it because something's not working. And that's a small version of chaos. Maybe a relationship that you're in, a friendship, is gotten to the point where it's so chaotic, there needs to be a beginning of something. And maybe that beginning starts with forgiveness. Maybe that beginning starts with a hard conversation where you bring up something that's hard to bring up. Maybe it means that that friendship needs to take a break for a minute so that you can get some space to reevaluate how you want to enter that relationship. And so you begin a period of silence or you begin a time of, of a little bit of distance so you can get some perspective. Whatever happens. Beginnings come from chaos. And God is all about bringing order to the chaos. We see this with the story of Adam and Eve in the end of chapter one. It says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and tend to it and guard the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. You can see in this passage, God is giving them order. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, tend it and guard it, be responsible for the sea, uh, creatures in the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing. All these plants. You get to harvest them. You get to see them grow. You get to tend to them so that you have food to eat. There's an order that God is instructing humanity to have within creation. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. I translated this passage myself. I used an interpretation, a translation of some of these words that we don't normally find. Some of our translations say, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth, to have dominion over and to subdue. Now, those are powerful, authoritative words, to subdue something and to have dominion over it. The Hebrew language is actually quite vague here. It could mean have dominion and subdue. But it could also mean, to say how I translated it, to tend to it and to guard it. To tend and to guard. Now, if you are tending to something, you are wanting to see it flourish. You're wanting to see it become the fullness of what God intended it to become. You are tending to it so that it grows and it becomes all that it was meant to be. I mean, think of it like you're helping a child grow. You want to see that child live to the fullness of their being. You're not there to subdue that child and to make them into what you want, but you're tending to that child so that it can grow to the fullness of its capacity. Same thing with that word about dominion. We have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing. We could say have dominion, which has control, authoritative uh, responsibility, or we could say that we are to guard the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing. That idea of guarding means protection, providing healthy environment, having a symbiotic relationship where we recognize that what we do impacts them and that they also have an impact on us, that there is something that we as the thinking beings, the logical ones, the ones that are made in God's image, we can help create order that allows for the flourishing and the protection of God's beautiful creation and God's beautiful creatures. So we could have an opportunity to be people who have dominion and subdue creation or we could be people that tend to creation and guard creation. I think in its best form, we're meant to tend to things and to guard things. We're supposed to be shepherds of what God has hand. We're supposed to be stewards of God's good creation. The danger, and this moves us into the second piece, of how we are framing this series. The thing that we oftentimes fall into is that instead of tending and guarding, we want to control things by subduing it and having dominion. I think this verse alone encapsulates the best of this series because we see that what humanity has to wrestle with. Are we people that have the idea of subduing and dominating in mind, or are we people who want to tend and to guard the responsibilities God has given us. And so the movement that we often see within humanity is that, yes, out of chaos comes a beautiful order, that God is about creating order, creating responsibility, creating structure for us to thrive in so that we can tend and guard things. But too often, we want control so that we get credit, so that we get supplied for, so that we can capitalize, so that we can have security, and we end up subduing and dominating. And we can see this in the Genesis story once again, where Adam and Eve are living and they're flourishing and they're tending and they're guarding and they're participating in creation. But along comes the servant to say, what if it was different? And so we see this interaction in Genesis 3, 4 through 6. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. So here we have the two humans, Adam and Eve. They're in the garden, and they get told, hey, there's another way of doing this. You could have the same power. You could have the same understanding. You could have the same knowledge as God. You could have the same control. You could even have more than what God has already given you. You've been given responsibility to tend and to guard, but what if you knew more? What if you could do more? And so there's this desire to to control even more. And so looking at that fruit and seeing that it was delightful, that it was this idea of helping make one wise then she took and ate the fruit and gave some to her husband who was there with her. Now, too often, Christianity has blamed Eve for this moment. Let me just pause and remind all of us that where was Adam in this context? He was sitting right there. And Now, the joke writes itself, and we don't need to go there. But the point is, they were both there. They both participated. They both ate. Everything could have been stopped. Everything could have gone a different direction. But there's this desire to control, to to try to take more than what we've been given responsibility for. And we see that it's going to lead to some consequences. And those consequences are a part of what we have to wrestle with. Because when humanity reaches for control and it goes in a direction that's unhealthy, there are natural consequences that arise that when we try to grab control, when we try to grab control so that it empowers us or so that it gives us access to more and it takes away from someone else, when it does the thing that doesn't lead to life and doesn't lead to flourishing, it doesn't lead to tending and guarding, but it leads to subduing and dominating, then we head off in a direction that's unhealthy and that's when things need liberation. And so the movement that we're seeing in this series and in scripture is that things start in chaos that all beginnings start from chaos and God brings about order. And then humanity, although given this beautiful order to operate in, often wants control, wants to twist things for their own benefit, even if it means hurting your neighbor. And so we twist things for our own control, for our own benefit, and then we need to be liberated from that path because that trajectory that we're on is an unhealthy trajectory. We can't continue to go down it. Otherwise, we will find ourselves moving towards death, our own death and the death of creation and those around us. And we see this with our own planet. We see this with our own relationships. We see this in our families. We see this in the way that our country is is attempting to relate to one another. And it's not a healthy trajectory that we are on. Instead, we need to be liberated from that way of thinking, from that control that we mistakenly think we're supposed to have. And so we see this play out at the end of Genesis chapter 3 where we see the Lord God say this, it says, then the Lord God said, see the humans have become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now they might reach out their hands and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent them forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which they were taken. And so humanity has been given this beautiful space to tend and to guard creation in the garden with God. And they Instead of tending and guarding it, they've subdued it and had dominion and they've gained control and they've wanted more and more. And God says, We can't allow this to go on. We have to let the natural consequences take place and we need to send them out to figure this out. They need to be liberated from this way of existence. They can't stay like this. We have to liberate them because liberation can mean many things. It can mean that captives and slaves need to be free, it can mean that the marginalized and the oppressed have opportunity. It can mean the liberation of people into freedom. It can also mean that you can't stay in this mindset. You can't stay in this trajectory. You can't stay on this trajectory. You can't stay in this way. You need to be liberated from that and you need to feel the weight of the consequences of your actions. And so sometimes liberation means you're going to experience what you've done. You're going to experience the fullness of the choices you've made not as a punitive punishment but as a natural consequence of your actions so that you have a desire to move in a new direction because what liberation is is liberation can sometimes feel chaotic liberation can be a new form of chaos because now you're having to rediscover what it means to be human what where are we at what does this mean for us you know Whether you're someone coming from bondage into freedom and having to figure out who you are as a people, or whether you're someone who's made unhealthy choices and now you are moving away from them, who are you in that transition is going to feel chaotic. And that's where we need to move from liberation into a new order. And so we see God time and time again throughout scripture being a God of liberation, a God who says, you know, we need to see The consequences of these actions move forward, but we need to give opportunity for a new order to exist. And so we're going to see God working within humanity, a God who shows up and and does life with us. The God who is with us, the living presence, is going to be with humanity, moving humanity into an opportunity for healthy reorder, new order, to bring about the tending and the guarding that we so often want to see. Because here's the, here's the reality for all of this. It would be awesome if we were given the opportunity to start from scratch, as if there was no pre-programming, as if there was never any chaos to begin with. It would be great, great if my dogs never had an instinct to chase a squirrel to run after a bird, to try to bark at another dog, to yell at the mailman. It would be so great if my dogs did not have that that base instinct as part of their operating system. It would be awesome if I could just say, this is how we react when we see a squirrel, this is how we react when we see another dog, this is how we react when we see the mailman. It'd be so great if I could train them from an objective, perfectly clean space. The problem is it's not reality. And so I need to go back and I need to say, okay, I thought we had some order. Clearly these dogs think they need to be the ones in control. And now I need to liberate them from that and figure out a new order, a new way of walking in this neighborhood because that beautiful husky up there does not need to get barked at and my arm does not need to get pulled out of socket simply because there's a base instinct there that they want to be in charge. And so we have to reimagine what this can look like as we walk in the same way. And I'm not trying to equate any of us to my dogs, but in the same way as humans, none of us have been born objectively pure and perfect and and with no operating system that has any division or any need for control. No, we are hardwired for uh to, to to survive. We're hardwired to continue. We're hardwired to want to control things, to feel secure. And we need to recognize that my safety, my security, that my continued life cannot come at the expense of another. That my desire to control the things of this world in order to survive can't come at the expense of someone else. Because then my survival, my survival ultimately leads towards death because it's going to lead towards the death of someone else it's going to lead towards my own soul feeling dead because that is not life giving and so we need to be people who recognize that we need to be liberated from certain ways of thinking certain patterns and certain systems of our world that are not headed in the right direction and as we do that we need to reimagine what systems and what practices and what spaces need to experience order in a new way let me just mention one idea, one example in our society today that we are seeing some movement towards a new order. We're seeing this movement towards liberation that can bring about new order. And I will not do this justice in the short amount of time that I'm going to talk about it. But we know, we know that the that the justice system is not operating as a flourishing system. We know that people that get incarcerated are coming out and they're doing similar things again, and they're getting put back into prisons. We know that this pattern of being incarcerated, being free, and then committing a crime and being reincarcerated happens over and over again. And we're seeing that, that victims are not actually experiencing their own sense of freedom from what's happened to them. So the victims of crimes and the people perpetrating crimes Neither person is experiencing freedom and restoration because victims are, are hurt and they, they never experience the fullness of, of forgiveness and solidarity and connection and justice because justice should be life-giving, not just punitive. And so victims are not experiencing the fullness of justice and wholeness and shalom. And people that commit crimes are not receiving the help they need so that they can move towards being whole and holy people And so there's a brokenness within our justice system. And that's why there's a movement by many people to bring about restorative justice. It's a justice that's not focused on punishment, but it's a justice that's focused on restoration. Restoration for those that have been victimized by crimes and restoration for those who have committed crimes. It's a holistic way of doing justice. It's restorative justice. And the hope is that we bring life and wholeness and justice to both the victimized and the one perpetrating the crime. Because if we can't do both, if we can't do both, then we are creating a controlled system where only certain people are going to benefit and there's others that are going to keep getting punished and punished and punished. And we're going to create a society that has a a horrendous disparity between one another. And we see that all over. And so we have to be liberated from that and then reimagine what it could be. And so that's one example. It's a a massive example in a short amount of time about how this could possibly play itself out in our world today. So this series, we're going to be looking at what are the chaotic spaces that we've seen God bring order. What are the ways in which humanity has tried to control that and manipulate it for its own power, its own glory, its own success, its own safety and security? And where is God trying to bring liberation so that with God, we can partner to create new order. We can bring about a new way of doing things that is not subduing and dominating, but is actually tending and guarding and seeing the flourishing of all things. That is our hope. That is our prayer that we get to participate in a God who is about restoration and reconciliation, a God of resurrection. Let's pray. God, we are grateful, grateful for beginnings. We're grateful that even though beginnings often come from chaos, even though beginnings often come from difficulty, we are grateful that you are a God of beginnings and that you bring order and that you call upon us to participate in that order. You call upon us to help tend and to guard it. And God, will you forgive us and will you illuminate the blind spots that we have when we take that beautiful order, that tending and guarding, and we make it into something of control? We make it into something we can subdue and we can dominate. God, help us to recognize it, to listen when we get called out for it. God, may we be people who, when we are recognizing the control we've desired, and when we see it, when we get called out for it, may we move towards the liberation that is needed. Even though that liberation can be chaotic and difficult, it can feel like we are untethered and unmoored to everything we once knew. God, may we experience that uncomfortability that may we go into the wilderness, into that space where we need to get reformed and refashioned so that we can reimagine what this should look like. May we be people of grace. May we be people of justice. May we be people of love. May you experience peace. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace the Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peace the podcast.podbean.com. Again, peace the com. may you experience the love of god and may you have peace